You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to The Deliberative, your premier podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as always, are Charles. Help! And GM. How's it going? Hey, what's going on, guys? What is up? Well, we're back a little bit earlier than we said we would, uh, <laughs> which I guess is all okay. We're coming coming off of a high from talking about essence and stirring folks up in the last episode. Uh, actually had a decent amount of feedback on our uh, last episode about essence. And uh, some folks who are in agreement with some of the stuff that we said, other folks were, you know, kind of saying <laughs> things like, oh, we missed the point about this. Don't you know that, you know, this is designed to do. And well, yeah, uh, we did. We did know that. Um that's why we started the show by saying, you know, this is essence is not exactly something that's written for us. And I think that that's, you know, that's clear. Right. I mean, we're we're big fans of the, right. the full bodied, you know, is it clear? Because I can talk about it some more if we <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we're, we're big fans of, of exalted in its in its normal form. And so we know, you know, we were saying going into that, that, you know, Essence, of course, clearly was not designed with us in mind. Uh, if it was, if it was, it would have looked way different, right? It would have had like, yeah. uh, like 10 times more charms than the uh, actual third edition core book because it that's would have been third edition if it was for us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. So, uh, so anyway, I mean, yeah, we get it that it's that it's for new players. It's for you know people were saying, oh well, it can be used in conventions and uh, and gaming shows, you know, as like a demo and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's great, you know. I understand all that stuff. However, as as fans of Exalted, you know, we're looking at any new Exalted product, any new Exalted edition, as like, is this Exalted? Does this feel Exalted? You know, how does this stack up to what we're used to that we, you know, that we call by this name? And so that's really the way we were looking at it. Um, however, you know, there's been some been some stuff since then. Uh, you know, been been looking at um, a few of the things that have been said. Apparently, you know, one of the things that we were or that I especially was, uh, you know, kind of rubbed the wrong way about, I guess, was the putting of soak in the uh, decisive damage part of the equation and doing it post damage rolled, like actually having the soak subtract successes. And apparently that is one of the things that the designers are, are changing and updating before the final version goes out. So apparently I'm oh, not, the, okay. we're, we're not the only ones who <laughs> thought that that was an <laughs> issue. Right. So, uh, so when you think that we were too harsh on that, remember that the developers themselves understand that there could be a problem there. Um, so anyhow, uh, and, and there have been some other things that have been talked yeah, about. Yeah, Corey, none of that of... stuff was meant personally. It's all just observation. And, and hey, if we got it wrong, uh, let us know, that kind of thing. Um, right. It was never going after anyone or trying to put yeah. Essence down. Essence has well, a place. It's just not on my shelf. Exactly. So. Well, I've actually probably will have it on my shelf. But. Yeah, I'll have it. Just well, that, it. that's mostly because we all have a problem, though. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We'll talk a little bit here in just a second about some more uh, Essence stuff that's been going on lately. But uh, let's get into that. In fact, it's time for the news. Well, first off in the news, April 
is Exalted 3rd Edition Month for the Onyx Path 10th Anniversary Sales over at DriveThruRPG. The first week of April was for the solar stuff, which I guess is all of the, if you have the physical copies, and I do, the uh, solar stuff, I guess, would be all of the white, uh, the white spined books, which were things like the core book, the arms of the chosen, the hundred devils night parade. Was hundred devils night parade included in that? Charles? It was, uh, okay, actually, yeah. you know, I, I picked up a few things, um, Miracles of the Solar Exalted, although I th- I think I had that on PDF, but it didn't show as me having owned it, so it was like a... Yeah, I even have that. You should have definitely had that. I, yeah, prob- you, you would have had probably, that from the kick, kickstart. Yeah, but, but it it said that I didn't own it, and it was like a dollar, so I I bought it through drive through again. I got Adversaries of the Righteous. I was super bummed that... um No, 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 I'm sorry. I got 100 Devil's Night Parade uh, and Adversaries of the Righteous... They don't have the collected version yet. Right, and I, was, I was super that. bummed about that. Yeah, I mean we're we're all waiting for Adversaries of the Righteous to come out. I, I, I'm really excited about it, especially after seeing what they did with Hundred Devils Night Parade. Uh, you know, the finished product being you know what it was versus the little individual things that were released. Uh, just you know, looking forward to Adversaries coming out and kind of having that same that same sort of like filled out feel to it you know because they did add quite a few things for 100 devils night parade so expecting that they'll add quite a few more things for adversaries i mean it's we know it's all written it's it's like through the art direction it's it's one of those books that if it comes out this year along with all the other ones that have been in the hopper for a while like across the eight directions uh crucible of legends the uh, many faced strangers I mean, we could be looking at a very big year for Exalted, which is which is super exciting. And uh, and looking at my shelf, I have the third edition hardcovers uh, on a shelf just above the first edition. And if those books come out this year, we will have more. We will have more page count. Just go. Just you know, eyeballing the shelf here, we'll have more page count for third edition than they did for first edition, which is which is pretty awesome. That's and it'll be, clo- it'll be closing in on second edition also. So anyhow, yeah, so uh, that that's what's going on right now. I know the sales are, are going to be changing uh, this coming week, and uh, maybe the Dragonbladed stuff will be next. Not sure. So just be sure to grab all of that when it comes out if you don't already have it, although probably most people listening to this show already have these things. But if they go to Dragonbladed next, that will be the Dragonbladed book, maybe Heirs of the Shogunate, The Realm, those kinds of things so be sure to grab those when they go on sale but also uh in the news we've been watching the siderials book uh moving through the process it's now in the red line stage uh although you know we've we watched this before if you go back to our earlier episodes from the first season of the deliberative you know we watched i think it was lunars going through this process and and uh, it is a, we, it is a long process. Siderials is tearing through it pretty good. That's that's a good sign, but uh, but yeah, it, it this is going to still take a while. So don't don't feel like just because it's moving sort of quickly through the first stages that it's going to be, you know, ready anytime soon. But well, when it is ready, hopefully I will have my Terminator reskin of Exalted all worked out so I can play that when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, actually, I know I've always said Abyssals are my favorite, Abyssals are my favorite, and I do think they're super cool, but, you know, the more I think about it, I don't know why Sidereal isn't my go-to, because 
man, it, like, all you have to say is, hey, this thing has, like, time travel. Boom, sold. I'm in. Well, it's yeah. like a I mean, guaranteed it's not exactly thing time travel, but yeah, yeah. They they come down to check out fate, you know, fix fix fate things. Right. Yeah. They're more like they're seeing it coming and then yeah. trying to fix it before it happens. Yeah. Which is like, like kind of you know like time travel, fate, destiny. Yeah. That I, kind I see of where stuff. he's going with that. I mean, yeah, it's it kind of like if happen. you know something's going to happen and you're trying to change it, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, like that you right. see in the movies. I, I think that's what he's going with there. I, mm. I will tell you, I read that second edition. Of course, you know it. My, my experience with first edition was I bought the core book, read it, loved it, tried to sell it to my friends. None of them wanted to play it, so I just kind of shelved it or whatever. Second edition, I was like, you know, so down for it. I like essentially kind of read, you know, just about every book that they published. Whereas first edition, I only read the core book. So in when the second edition Sidereal's book came out, I know there was like a lot of complaints from fans uh, about the fact that it was like kind of a copy paste of the first edition. And now as I'm comparing editions a lot, I'm seeing that that kind of copy paste effect. Uh, the, I'm like, wow, I've read this. Some, I'm like reading the first edition stuff. I'm like, I've read this somewhere before. Like these exact <laughs> words, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but when I got the Sidereal's book for second edition, I had not read the first edition one. And so I was seeing this thing fresh. I did not have that experience of like, oh my gosh, it's a copy paste of the first edition. I was just absolutely blown away by how awesome that book was. I devoured it cover to cover, like every word as if it were just like a beloved child that I was I'm just, blown you know, away by how many syllables you made the word blown into right there. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it is it is such a good part of the game. Like it's such a good part of the lore. Their their charms and their and their martial arts are just so amazing. Just the whole story of what you're doing as a player character was so good. And I remember back like years ago, I was trying to sell to our play by post uh, forum. I was trying to sell a Sidereal's game. I'm like guys, this would be awesome, you know. And I'm trying to pitch that out there, and it was just like so alien to everybody. They're like, eh, I don't really know what you're talking about here, but. Um, but yeah, when the when the third edition one comes out, it's finally gonna be time for that Sidereals game, guys. I, I just want yes. you to know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do it. I would like to we- pre-register for that course, <laughs> Professor. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so good stuff. Can't wait for Sidereals, and especially know what we what we know and what we'll be talking about a little bit today with the 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 changes, additions, and whatnot that third edition has made to everything. I cannot wait to see what they have in store for Sidereal. So it should be amazing. Uh, next item on the news is that the Exigence book is being prepped for Kickstarter as we speak. They have finished up the double feature for the They Came From games. The, they came from Cyclops Cave. They came from Classified. The, they, they finished that out. Successful Kickstarter. And now we know that Exigence is uh, on deck we don't know if it will be starting this week, next week, but it will almost for sure be starting in the month of April. So, um, this is the one I'm excited it, about, Corey. Yeah, I'm very excited about this, and uh, this is this this makes me happier than just about anything. Is that last in in the last episode? I was mentioning the fact that I had been looking through the uh, the the upcoming publishing schedule that Onyx Path provides on their website. And there is this weird note on Exigence that is not on any other book, but it's like just on Exigence, it says 220 pages. 
<laughs> and I'm like, and I was saying last last time, I'm like, 220 pages. I mean, I really hope it's not 220 pages. That would be such a small book, and we've been waiting years between lunars and exigence, and for it to finally come out and just be just such a squeaker of a small book would would just be really disappointing, like a number of levels, you know. And we we talked about why, you know, well maybe it just doesn't have setting information and all this and that and whatever. But I just straight up asked Rich Thomas. Uh, you know, about that. Like, hey, it says 220 pages. Is that accurate as far as you know? And he said, no, that is not correct. It is going to be like over 400 pages. <laughs> so That's good news. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and, and that actually will be a big dog because I was finishing my second read-through of the Dragonblooded uh, book last night, the third edition Dragonblood book, What Fire Has Wrought. And that thing's like around 340 pages. And that's a big book. So if Exigence goes over 400 pages, that is... Right, and it's actually got setting and and house material. I I just don't know how much setting material and uh, filler material that they're going to have in Exigence. But it can't be much, because that's like... So it seems like it's all about the Exigence. Yeah, and the charms. and the. I mean, you think about it, like, you're going to have to provide a lot of, a lot of, of example charms. You know what? You're going to have to create a lot of Exigent types... You know, it, it won't just be Straw Maiden Janus, or, you know, like it was in Essence, and then you make up any of your other ones using Universal Charms or whatever. That They need a lot of example exalts in this Exigence book. That's what I was going to say. Maybe, maybe must... they'll have sections of like, here's some that are based on elements, here's some that are based on, you know, like how to tailor them. And maybe, if we're lucky, we'll get some, here's how to make some charms based on necromancy. And get yes. down that path. Yes, we so need the necromancy stuff. They might even make some that are like you know, here's like a like a combat focus exigent, and here's like a diplomat. Maybe they'll go more like character concepts, like real broad ones. Yeah. So that you can well, just you can have that as like a skeleton, and then right. kind of carve it into what you want it to be. And, and they definitely are going to have to show different power levels. You know, you're going to have to have, like, your terrestrial power level. You'll have to have your celestial power level. And you'll have to have your, you know, I guess we call it the mastery power level. I'm going by, like, martial arts keywords here. You know, in the martial arts stuff, you have, like, uh, if a person is at the terrestrial level, it'll have, like, the terrestrial tag that this move or this charm or whatever does not perform as well if you're terrestrial because it has to match your power level. And then the celestial level is essentially just the charm as written. And then if you are like an abyssal or a solar or an infernal who ha- who's at that like kind of solar circle level, they have the, and, and I guess probably sidereals would, would also uh, qualify for the mastery level of, of martial arts, but you get that mastery effect, which makes it, you know, some of those mastery effects are like, okay, well, this just this is just a cheat code. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I, I would expect that they would have all kind of three power levels, uh, showing how you could make exigence from each of those. And anyway, some example you know, you're gonna need several examples from each one. I, I can imagine this would be a big book. That's why I was so disappointed when I saw that 220 page number. Was like, huh? Like, how are you gonna get all of that in there in a book? you know kind of like the size of like arms of the chosen or slightly bigger than that you know like it it's uh that would be disappointing but thankfully it's going to be giant i'm super looking forward to it 
you can go ahead and write me down for the deluxe edition any kind of maps that you include i'm getting it all baby so just go ahead and load us up over 400 pages rich's words not ours yes (laughs) that's right that's right if he's wrong well dang it um all of my wrong it's hopefully uh 600 pages that was so (laughs) sad if he's wrong well dang it (laughs) (laughs) i was wrong it's Uh, 800 pages Oh, that would be a little on the big side. But I would still be very You would read it. it. Oh, gosh, yes. I'd read and it And take pictures of it. Put it on oh, your yeah. refrigerator and yep. take it to T-Ball. Um, all yep. that good stuff. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I How's your uh, adults-only professional T-Ball league going, Corey? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's wild how many people miss that ball off the team. Um but yeah, anyway, you know what's you know what I'm really looking forward to? This is this is gonna sound like ridiculous, but I can't wait to see what color the book is gonna be. I I'm looking at uh, you know, I've got my my shelf, my exalted shelf right next to me here. And this is and, why it's a big deal. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm looking at how they've color coded all of the you know, they they've been very consistent with the color coding, first edition, second edition, third edition. You know, the solar stuff is white. The dragon blood stuff is red. The lunar stuff is blue. The sidereal stuff's going to be purple, people. Let me go ahead and spoil that for you. It's been purple in first and second edition. It's going to be purple in third edition. Abyssals is like a black or a dark gray. Yeah. Uh, Infernals has been this like kind of uh, radioactive green color. The the alchemicals is sort of a light gray. Uh, So when we get into exigence, I mean, just kind of my mind says it should be green. I don't know why it says it should be green, but my mind says it should be green. But of course, it has to be a different green than the, you know, infernals will eventually be. So it makes me wonder what the liminals book's going to look like. It's going to have like stitches and stuff all over it or something. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Maybe like a blood red or a white. No, you can't go white. I don't know. See, this is the this is the problem you get into when you add more exalt types. Okay, (laughs) there's like seven colors in the rainbow. And, well, I guess white, you know, is not. So, okay, so let's see. What are we missing? Orange. <gasps> Charles. Yes. They don't have an orange one. <gasps> Exigence could be orange. <laughs> I do like so, orange. <laughs> yeah, I like orange too. But, uh, but anyway, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, when, you, when you put all of the third edition books, uh, the, the print on demand. Actually, the... the if you were to put your deluxe editions on the shelf with your print-on-demand ones, they would still match because the colors are there. You know, white for solars, blue for lunars, and red for dragon blood. But when you just put the PODs together on the shelf, it makes this this cool kind of rainbow blend of, of all the different, you know, because what they're doing is like the heirs of the Shogunate has a red spine just like the dragon blood book does. The realm has a red spine just like the dragon blood book does. We know, we're, we're sure that many face strangers is going to have a blue spine just like the lunar's book and so these companion books they they kind of fill out this sort of rainbow as it goes which is very different than the first edition and second edition which had their own kind of spine coloring thing so i'm really really <laughs> I'm like this is way too long to talk about book color, cover colors and whatnot but i'm very excited to see what they're going to do with exigence so uh that to me that will be in that like you know that campaign portion of the Kickstarter. It's going to show like they're you know expected. This is what the the deluxe edition is going to look like, and that is the picture that I am most looking forward to about this whole thing. I'm going to scroll right to that and see what color it is, and get super excited. 
Yeah, there's no topic left uncovered at the deliberative here. <laughs> That's right. This episode <laughs> all about book spine colors. <laughs> So, uh, anywho, all right. Well, the other thing that's a, a newsworthy item this week is the Onyx Pathcast has been doing an actual play of Exalted Essence. And if you haven't been listening to this, you should. It's actually quite entertaining. They have on there Monica, who is uh, kind of like the, the primary developer of Exalted Essence. They've got Eddie and Dixie are playing, and also Chaz from the Story Told and the Systematic understanding of everything uh he's on there as well so the the four is that four that the four of them are playing uh essence and it's uh it's been pretty good I, i've you know like, like i've said you know, I, I don't know how I, how i would feel playing a game with the lead developer because i love to argue rules and i just feel like that's a <laughs> you know you can't really win those arguments <laughs> you know she seems like a very approachable very nice uh person congenial person she she maybe she the new job. argument will be let me convince you why <laughs> this needs tweaking you know <laughs> you know as a quick aside i've actually um it's not exalted but i played a game of delta green with one of the main writers of delta green and initially I was kind of intimidated, but really it's just kind of fun to like let them tell the story. And they do it in such a way where I don't think rules arguments come up all that often, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, What's and, role and, playing if I can't argue the rules a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but you know, she does she does a good job. Uh she is the storyteller on that, Monica is, and uh the rest of them, you know, make different characters. Which to me okay, so th- this is one of my primary non-mechanical non-rules mechanical complaints about essence i feel like including all 10 exalt types in there and just kind of you know presenting them almost like classes in another game encourages people to make these like you know just really wild super friends type parties that don't really make any sense in the in sort of the rules and or it's in the lore of of, of the exalted you know why would you have all of these different exalt types adventuring together it seems very like you know children i'm gonna sound i'm gonna sound uh, condescending oh again here but, come uh, the direct attacks <laughs> <laughs> but it's it just sounds very like children's comic book super friends kind of thing and 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 when they're making their characters on this uh this essence episode of onyx pathcast i feel that you know you have like a a solar, a lunar, and an alchemical together, and it just, you know, you don't get to do, you don't get to really, like, play with the lunar's lore and the fun stuff that's there, you know, like a lunar's flavored game has all that lunar's goodness with the dominions and whatnot. You don't get the cool solar feel of, like, we're being chased by the wild hunt, but we're super powerful. You don't get the alchemicals feel of, like, we're in a a talkathon, and we have all of this intrigue that's going on in this alien world. It's just like, it's just three, you know, powerful super friends with just a, uh, you know, the barest hint of a connection between the characters and let's go do super stuff. And, and <laughs> to me, that's cringe. Like I never want to play a game like that, like, you know, ever. And, uh, and so, uh, but anywho, like I said, that, like that is a non-rules complaint thing that's just something i see with essence and it's it's sort of encouraged by the fact that they're putting all those different things in there i am still entertained by what they're doing on the onyx pathcast i I have nothing against what they're in fact i enjoy it quite a bit and i can't wait till the next episode i guess it came out maybe yesterday 
I'm very much looking forward to getting into that. But that to me is a little cringe. Uh, but overall, enjoyed listening, and I, I love Dixie's character. Uh, she, <laughs> she was, you know, one of the one of my favorites on the uh, the one, the Onyx Path one that they did with the Vorpal Tales group. She had this great abyssal that was like super goth and whatever, and she tends to play those kinds of characters in games. And then in this game, she is like a little girl who grew up on a horse farm who loves horses. And she is a lunar who changes into a horse. I mean, like now it's actually a Simhata, so it's much, much more dangerous and whatnot. But um, but still, it's got that like little girl loves horses vibe to it. You know, the little girl that loves unicorns or whatever. And it is spot on perfect. So... One, yeah, one really thing cool. I'll, I, I'm going to comment on that. One thing I like about role-playing is when someone points out that your characters seem to have a type, and then you, you know, it's brought up to you, and then you make a, a character that's completely like the right. opposite or totally different. Yeah, it's type. so much fun playing that different character. It's like, it's right. like just stepping into a new skin or something. You mean like a character that doesn't look at things on their wrist? You know, I feel personally attacked in this episode. I just want to—I want to point that out. No, I mean we all do it. We all yeah. do it. We have a tendency. It's—it's it's yeah. like a lunar tail, you know. It is. It is like a lunar tail. That's exactly right. So Charles's characters always do something with something on their wrist. Uh, my characters are always super awesome, and everybody loves them. And oh, wishes shut it was up! Theirs. Shut up! <laughs> I can't also, help it. Not it's entirely just inaccurate. <laughs> so uh, yeah another awesome thing about that game uh the the onyx pathcast game which is really is really funny uh, although i know it's it's bothersome because i've been this person before but chaz chaz's character in the story he's the solar he kind of has like the most system mastery of, of all the people there you know he's played a lot of like third edition all that kind of stuff so he he knows like a lot about stuff so he has built his character to be just like this you know precision machine at doing like a bunch of different stuff and yet the the dice hose him constantly <laughs> like uh. he, he he can't roll anything like to hit he's like missing like he's a solar like missing people in combat and then uh. when they roll against <laughs> him they're rolling just like a tiny you know number of dice or whatever but they're getting like all the successes and so they're hitting him when he should be unhittable then he's like supposedly like the so the social character who can talk their way out of everything but when he tries to intimidate them like he rolls like you know one or two successes on like a giant handful of dice and oh. it is just like it, you know we've all kind of had that experience at yes, times yes <laughs> and and exalted can it's like he's you. only rolling four dice i have five parry i'm good and then it's like yeah. eight successes what yeah, the exactly. <laughs> no. yeah. but you know that's something that like really only exalted or well really only d10 type systems or success based systems can really do because you know we i was thinking about this a lot you know uh, just kind of recently thinking about game design and all this kind of stuff and you know, these games that just add like a static value to your attack rolls, you know, like D&D &D or Pathfinder or whatever, like, well, I get a plus 14 to hit, you know, uh, you know, you know, going in like, you know, if you're like a high level Pathfinder or D&D &D character, 
you get multiple attacks as you go up in level or whatever, you know. So by the time you're like level 14 or 15, you've got like three attacks. You essentially know your first attack is going to hit every time because it's got this huge bonus on it, and that's going to beat practically everything's AC. And then the only real question is, are you going to land like this second and third or fourth attacks? Um, you know, but you're pretty much guaranteed that first one's going to hit. Exalted is just, it's just not like that. You know, you, you can roll 20 dice and miss somebody with an evasion of three, you know, and you can roll six dice and hit somebody with a, with a parry of eight. And, uh, and so it's just, it's wild. There can be these, these wild swings. Now, over, overall, you know, the, the statistics, the bell curve is going to work out and you're going to, you know, Chaz's character, for example, in this game, given enough time, he's going to be much more successful at all the things that he's strong at than the other people. But, but, you know, when you're given like a small sampling, it is possible to get, you know, way off, way off on the edge of that bell curve. And that's exactly what happens to him. And it's, it's pretty dang funny, actually. So, and uh, one other thing about that, I'll say about that episode <clears throat> is right at the end of it, Eddie says something that I think is like probably, you know, just like the best succinct uh, description of, of maybe the difference between Exalted Essence and Exalted Third Edition that you could possibly get. He said, Exalted is sort of like a collectible card game. And, you know, oh, you yeah. have all these powers uh, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, right? So he's like, he, and he says, playing third edition is like playing, or maybe maybe Monica adds in this detail, but it's like playing third edition is like playing magic with all the sets. So you're playing Magic the Gathering and you've got all the cards from all the sets. And playing Essence is like you've got a starter deck and like maybe a booster pack. And that is precisely the feel. Like they, I think they just so nailed that in that description i love that description and it's also a perfect uh it's a perfect illustration of why i don't like essence is just not for me <laughs> like i want i, I want, want all, all the cards i i don't that's want to play with that's this. what you were like when we played magic so yeah i gotta have all the cards right like i need all the stuff and so um anyway but yeah that's a but there is definitely a place for those folks who just want to, you know, have just their starter deck and their um, and their booster pack. And that place is uh, uh, they're going to lose to the guy with all the cards. So that's their place. But anyway, but so it does have a place. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's the news uh, for this week. Go go listen to the Onyx Pathcast if you haven't. haven't uh, go get some magic good. cards. Get some friends. <laughs> you know, at this point, I can't recommend magic cards yeah. anymore. It's just. <laughs> but uh, I have been playing a little bit of Hearthstone again. Oh uh, boy, this is on me, everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. This is my bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's it, it. Hearthstone's made a lot. They've got a lot of strange things that they've added in there, but it's still not enough to bring me back. Sorry, they it, they just. I feel like they've still kind of ruined that game. But uh, but I have been playing a little bit lately, and it is good. And I actually I think I picked it up and started playing it because of Eddie's uh, what Eddie said. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but let's get on to our discussion this week. And uh, this one I've been looking forward to this one for a while. I actually I think I mentioned it back when we did our episode zero that I thought a really interesting topic to go over is House Regara or Ragara, uh, which is one of the dragon-blooded houses, one of the 11 main dragon-blooded houses. And specifically the reason why I wanted to take a look at Regara 
is because of the differences and changes that have been made to that house in third edition. So as I said a little earlier, second edition often feels like it's been sort of copied and pasted, pasted from first edition. And this house Regara is really no different. First and second edition are extremely similar. Um, I think, I think some of the reason for that copy paste kind of thing is that first edition was starting so, uh, blank, like blank slate almost at the beginning. They had their core book, they had their idea. And then every book that came out for first edition was essentially adding new meat onto the world that had never been added before. So you have all of these settings books in first edition. You know, when you look at them on the shelf, you've got, you've got your, um, your different exalt types. And then you just got this sea of red spined setting books. You, know, you got like a book on Halta and you got a book on the, the bull God and you got a book on, you know, the, the blood and salt, like uh, about pirates. And, and they're just, each book is like adding to the overall lore of the game. And then second edition, it seemed like their, their aim in second edition was to just codify everything and to organize it into sort of, uh, understandable channels right so you've got the the five books of terrestrial directions the compass of terrestrial directions you've got the compass of celestial directions which ended up being six books with autochthonia added in at the end and you know you've got all these things that are like they're codifying everything in a very easy to easy to digest you know organizational scheme so i know if i'm looking for a location out in the west i grab the compass of terrestrial directions west or whatever so you know, what was happening in second edition was not really adding a whole lot. It was just organizing it. But one of the things that you see them do a lot in second edition is they will kind of rehash the same thing that's in first edition, but then add a few extra details, like some characters, you know, here's some sample characters and here's like maybe one thing or so. But then third edition comes along and majorly changes a lot of things. And so Ragara Ragara is one of the is one of the examples of this. And so I really wanted us to kind of, you know, get a feel for what's being done in the current edition of the game versus previous editions of the game and this house Regara. Let's let's settle on like one pronunciation. How about Regara? Everybody cool with Regara? I'm good with Regara. Yeah, I'll okay. allow it. <laughs> so uh somebody out there is like no i've always said regare but anyway um <laughs> but yeah so regara uh is just a, it's a wonderful example of this so uh just kind of going through just a little bit and you guys just jump in wherever you want to on this i, w- I just want to kind of do a rundown of where regara has been in first and second edition and then we'll start talking about some of the interesting changes that we see in third edition so in the first couple editions of the game uh regara is one of the 11 houses. Uh, Regara himself is the oldest surviving son of the Empress, uh, although he is quite advanced in age, and he is retired, and he's living somewhere up north with one of the households that's taking care of him, and his son, Bonoba, is the current ruler of the house. He manages all the day-to-day and all that kind of stuff. And this Bonoba character... He comes across as sort of slow and maybe even like stupid in the way that he talks. And uh, although he's not, the, the write-ups of, of Regara make it, make it very clear that he is actually quite savvy. Uh, but he uses this perception of himself of being like this sort of slow person or whatever 
to to his own advantage in his dealings with others you know he lets them assume that he's slow and stupid and then uh, you know meanwhile he's like you know plotting uh internally and then going and doing stuff about it so anyway but uh just kind of an interesting character there who's now the leader of the house and then the majority of the house in first and second edition live in the imperial palace which is a massive city-sized palace has plenty of rooms it's not just like one mansion you know it is a humongous place but the majority of the house lives in that palace but there are two additional households of regara there are the Soros household uh, which live sort of in the northern isles portion of the blessed isle and the Soros household is the one who's taking care of regara in his retirement and then there are the Kalel household, which are headquartered in uh, the Juch prefecture, and they raise dogs and hunting hounds and whatnot. So that's kind of how the house is is, is sort of divided inter- internally. And the main idea of Regara is that it is sort of like the imperial bank of the realm. Like these are the guys who lend money to everybody else. And everybody owes them, and they cash in a lot of these debts for favors. Yeah, I think and whatnot. they have some predatory lending issues. You come, in that yes, house. They, you come <laughs> to my house do. on the day of my daughter's wedding. You know, they're they're basically <laughs> the Corleone family, right? Yeah, they're just they like are. it's they're, like playing it's Godfather the role playing game. That's what this is, right? <laughs> yeah, they're it's they're, literally they're no different. It's all lasagna. Yeah. And shooting cops in the pub in public. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's 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 just interesting. You know, they've got all of this. They've got all this power from having all this money, and everybody's in debt to them. Um, and then you know, one of the things that was sort of added in second edition is this: they they became much more connected to the guild. So that's the kind of thing that like second edition sort of does is like it adds little little flavor details here and there. You know, so they're. Uh, they're the the house that the guild needs to work with in order to bring their their products into the realm and and then the Ladal family is kind of uh regara's like biggest rival because they're the one house that are not uh not indebted to regara and so uh because of that regara doesn't really know how to treat them you know it's like kind of like hey I, this, I'm, un- I'm uncomfortable with this you, i thought the you um, nimons also weren't really indebted to them right well that's that's more uh third edition third edition kind of adds oh, some of those got it, got details it. yeah it changed it kind of flip-flops a little bit over the additions yeah but yeah, ladal is always mentioned as like a rival a rival but the reason for you know the reason why their arrival changes between right. first and second and then third edition uh, but yeah so but what uh, you know one of the kind of things that that's sort of interesting in in first and second edition regard also is that Regara, because of all of their power and wealth and, and the fact that everybody owes them favors, uh, it, it specifically says that all the other houses are like trying to keep Regara off of the throne. Uh, so, you know, there's this war for the throne. The, the Empress is gone, leaves a hole there. All the different houses are trying to, you know, jockey for position to kind of take that spot. And it looks like from just a, an economic perspective, like Regara would be a shoe in for it since they have all the money and everybody owes them. But first and second edition are very clear to say that because everybody knows that everybody owes Regara everything, the houses are trying to make sure that they're essentially like the farthest person from the throne. And that is something that gets flipped quite a bit in third edition. So this idea of the Imperial Bank 
of everybody owing them money. That is like uh, that is the flavor of Regara that is definitely there in first and second edition. But in first and second edition, that's kind of the only flavor of Regara. And then third edition does some major changes. In third edition, Regara is still the uh, is still the the Imperial Bank or the Imperial yeah the Imperial Bank. They're still the one that everybody owes money to. But some big changes have happened. First of all, we're told uh, that Regara built his wealth. We weren't really told this uh, before in first and second edition, but we're told that he built his wealth by using first age documents to locate and seize unused jade mines. And just kind of right off the bat there, that gives a, it gives us a little bit of a different feel, a little bit different flavor to this house with Regara himself digging through old, ancient, kind of, you know, old knowledge, old wisdom, old records. He's digging through those finding jade mines, you know, places that go deep into the earth. And it seems like that direction of, of beginning the, the, the wealth of the house, which it makes sense, you know, the, the wealthy house is the one that like digs up the money. <laughs> since and jade it, it is also like makes currency. sense because um, Regara is a predominantly earth aspect. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's so, a yeah. very good point. It's a very good point. And, uh, and, and Regara himself, we're told that he was a gifted geologist and geomancer. And like you say, Jim, that, I mean, it goes along with the fact that they are earth aspected. They're in tune with this stuff. And so uh, he, he has, uh, Regara himself has all of this knowledge of geology and geomancy and whatever. And he even established a school called the Learned Bastion, which is in the Corin Prefecture that trains agents for Ragara's unclouded stone savants who are the, it's like this group of people who search for new deposits of valuable minerals, especially Jade. And so, you know, you've got this, this interesting, just right off the bat. I think this is very interesting changing, you know, coming up with a reason for why they are so wealthy. They own all the mines and that's why they have all of this money. But it also gives such a perfect introduction to the other parts of how third edition has changed this house, which is that Ragara digs deep into the earth, digs deep into mysteries and whatnot. And we'll get that get to that in just a second, because I want to point out something else uh, first, is that the wealth of Ragara, Regara, sorry, I said we were going to call it Regara, and I keep doing <laughs> But the wealth is really played up in this third edition. It goes above and beyond to try to uh, point out the fact that these people are the richest of the richy rich, right? Like they live in just absolute palatial wealth at all times. Like, to, I mean, all of the dynasts are wealthy people with lifestyles that are so far above ordinary humans that, you know, just, it, it kind of boggles the mind, but somehow Regara is that to the dynasts themselves. Like they are the ones who have the absolute nicest of every nice thing, you know, their money's got and, the real stink on it. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> and, uh, I've been, I've been watching yesterday. It was just me and my four youngest kids at home. Uh, my wife and my two oldest daughters are away at a retreat. And, you know, we were just kind of sitting around in the middle of the day looking for something to do. And we stumbled across on YouTube, this channel, and the dude's name, it's like Enes, E-N-E-S. If you just type that in, you'll get the rest of it. But it's, it's, it's a dude's name. And he has a channel where he goes around to these like super, super 
uh, expensive properties that are up for sale. And he tours the property and just kind of shows off the house and whatnot. And we watched this one. It was like a $130 million mansion in, in Los Angeles. And the, the opulence of some of these places is just so ridiculous. You know, I mean, it's, it's almost unfathomable by normal human beings that certain people in the world actually live like this, you know, where every, every piece of furniture is bestoke crafted for your estate and like branded with your estate's branding. And, you know, that there's this consistent theme throughout and all this. I mean, but that's what the Regara house is like. They are these just unbelievably rich people. And, and like I said, that's played up in third edition. It's mentioned multiple times. It's mentioned in the Realm book. It's mentioned in the, in the Dragonblooded What Fire Has Wrought book. They keep talking about just how absolutely rich they are, which is pretty cool. Their seat in third edition has moved from the Imperial Palace to the Corin Prefecture. So that's where the big house is, where they live in. Uh, the, Bonoba is still the, the leader of the house, Regara's son. And apparently there's all these steps leading up to his office at the top of the house. And so if you need to go into debt, you know, they talk about you climbing the steps. You know, you, you have to get up oh, there yeah, and reach the top. Oh, yeah, the long climb of the steps. Yeah, or, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah that's so, pretty cool little. And, and they even gave you, like, they have, like, a slang word for it, you know, when – yeah, and you gotta walk, walk the steps. The steps. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like you gotta go borrow some money from. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, so a change there in just kind of how the house is situated, like how where the people live, and whatnot. There's no mention of the other two households, but um, in third edition, also their wealth and their network of favors are not keeping them from the throne. So they have finally, I think, seen some sense in this because the, the one who's the most wealthy, who everybody owes something to, would absolutely be a shoe-in for the throne. And so they've, they've finally just gone and recognized that in third edition. So Regara wants to own it all, and they have the power to do so. They have the money to do so. And Kathak, you know, which is really the, like, like the, the most militant of the houses, has like the most, uh, the most imperial legions and all that kind of stuff. Kathak even supports their claim for the throne. Like they kind of want Regara to, to make a bid for the throne. So they are definitely in a position, like their, their position is completely flipped from being the one that everybody's trying to keep off the throne to being one that honestly looks like it might have the best chance so, for taking the throne. I, okay, I have to ask a question. Why... Why don't they just take the throne then? Like, uh, because well, that's something that's something that I struggle to understand. I know the Scarlet Empress has only been gone what, like five years, so it's right. not like it's been hundreds of years or something with this power vacuum. Right. But if they really are in that position, why are they not? Ta- are they just hoping that she's going to come back? Well, I think fear is is maybe the right word. <laughs> Fearing that she's <laughs> oh, going to come so back. they that you think like if they're like okay, well, it, there's a power vacuum, we'll just take it, and then she rolls up and she's like freeze FBI, and then they go to jail basically, or you know she like annihilates <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah, okay, I mean like you know we've right. seen we've seen a house like attempt make an attempt on the Empress's life before. Celsi uh, tried to do that, and she shut them down so hard. Right. And essentially, you know, from from the outside, it looks like she destroyed the house. But actually, what she did was she enslaved it to be like her, you know, her her assassins and mm-hmm. whatnot. So, anyway, you know, like people don't mess around with the with the Scarlet Empress. I mean, she is essentially the most powerful being in creation. 
uh, because she controls the realm defense grid and she's, you know, all kinds of stuff she's got going on. So uh, he c- controls all these legions and everything else. So you don't screw around with the Scarlet Empress. I mean, she's gone missing. It's very troubling. Uh, she's been missing for five whole years. But like, but at the same time, I mean, everybody is, you know, is she going to come back? Because if mm-hmm. she comes back, we're going to be we're going to be in big trouble if we're sitting in her chair. Uh, <laughs> so I think that's that's a part of it. But also, there's you know, the they used to have the Imperial Legions that all the houses, you know, they were kind of like generic. Like the Imperial Legion served the Empress, and then in her disappearance the various houses have taken control of different amounts of the legions. So, uh, you know, Regara got like the least amount or they got, they got, uh, they didn't get very many. I think they only got like three, three legions or something like that. And they took the, they took the ones that were like kind of the least, um, the least prepared, the least outfitted or whatever. And then they've just been pouring wealth into their, into their legions that they got, uh, trying to see if money would just you know improve the thing. Yeah, it but, seems like a tactical move they made. Uh, yeah, the way it's described in the book, it seems kind of very thought out and tactical. Yeah, but it's so not like, really working out though. Like, right, they're, right. They're spending all this money on them, and it's not really paying the dividends yet. Uh, but it is interesting. You know, you got they took like the worst legions and then gave them the best stuff. So uh, it, it is a very interesting thing. It's just. They're, they they don't have the kind of power. I'm like, Pelops has all the Navy. You know, Kathak has all the ground forces. So, you know, you make a move like that, it could, it could like, completely end you. So, you know, getting everybody on your side, first of all, and getting all your ducks in a row, pulling your, you know, people back from the threshold. I mean, this is what everybody's doing. All the houses are trying to do it. They're trying to get ready for making that move. But uh, five years is not really a long time, given the fact that all this supernatural stuff happens. Well, Regara has another card up their sleeve, so maybe we should start talking about that. That's right. That's right. So this is the big change. This is the big change that's that's happened in 3rd edition, is that Regara has all of these sorcerers and artifact thieves that are wandering through the threshold, taking whatever they want. And they use the excuse, I love this, everything belongs to the Empress and House Regara is her vault. And so, yeah. so they use that as like their way of just commandeering anything that they want to get. You know, I'm, I'm taking this because everything belongs to the Empress and we are her vault. And uh, and so this this goes a little bit more uh, beyond the whole banker situation into, again, this sort of crime family deal where we just take what we want and we use a thinly veiled excuse and we're going to take it. And again, and, I uh, present to you. The Godfather Part Two. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we, we definitely get that feel, but the new secret, or there, or Regara's secret in this edition, and it goes along with it goes like I said, they've been laying the groundwork for this with the the mines. They have all of these mines. They dig deep into the ground, and they found the mines through looking through first age records and whatnot. They are going around taking things. Just you know, this belongs to us now. We're the Empress's vault. And the new secret is they want to get their hands on as much anathema artifice as possible. They want all of these artifacts and whatnot that used to be used by the solars, by the lunars, by sidereal. They're trying to get all of this stuff into their house. And they're not only looking for artifacts, they're also in their in their sort of search for knowledge they are exploring pacts with the denizens of hell 
with the denizens of the underworld, with the fair folk, the Raksha, with spirits. They're, they're even, and I thought this was phenomenal, they're even sometimes racing the wild hunt to get to anathema first so that they can capture the anathema and then experiment on them deep underground, right? So if you if there's a new solar that has exalted somewhere nearby, Regara might be racing out there to apprehend this person so that they can go, you know, slowly, you know, dissect them while they're still alive to figure out what makes their essence tick so that they can then use that knowledge to develop their own superpowered whatnot. You know, this, I mean, this is to, to me, this sounds a lot like either Frankenstein with the whole like grab them and chop them up and like, you know, we'll take a piece of a lunar and a piece of a solar and smash them together and see what happens right or like kind of like captain america where they're wanting their own super soldiers and stuff i just think right. that that part is cooler than any other part about this and yeah that's what it, that's what makes me think that the taking the lesser um imperial troops or, or whatever you call them um nobody's gonna notice if they start disappearing because you're experimenting on them you know and like making some right. nasty super soldier with some of the stuff you've uncovered Right. Yeah. But I mean, just, just talk about though, I mean, how, how interesting all of this is compared to the bankers of first and second edition. But anyway, we'll get, yeah. we'll get a l little bit farther into it first. I mean, first of all, the fact that they're doing all of this secret stuff, re remember that this, they are a, they are a dragon blooded house that lives in an, in an, in an area, in a world where the immaculate philosophy is the religion of the day. And, and the immaculate faith is completely against all of this kind of stuff, right? I mean, it, it labels yeah. the, these various exalt types anathema. Uh, you know, you're talking about like packs with hell and with the underworld. That is absolutely heretical. It's off the table. And so Regara is really messing with some dangerous stuff here. The, the predominant, and, and to say predominant religion is really kind of an un understatement. The religion of the world, essentially, is this immaculate faith. And so they are in very much danger of being labeled heretics, diabolists, and whatnot. And so because of that, sometimes the secret kind of slips out here and there. You know, one of their family members or one of their households or something like that is caught with some of this contraband or you know doing some of these things that are completely forbidden and so what they do is they will scapegoat and sacrifice an entire household of their house in order to keep the secret from getting out they'll say oh you know uh, we can't believe it we just rooted out this particular person look he and his whole family are involved in all of this evil stuff we are going to uh, put them all to the sword right and so they and, and they're all kind of on board with this that if the secret gets out, they know that their life is essentially forfeit. Uh, that, you know, for the good of the house, sometimes we're going to have to you know, prune some of these branches so that people don't catch on to what we're doing. Yeah, but it's like they're technically developing an unstoppable weapon. Like, imagine the first people that yeah. had nuclear, nuclear weaponry had such an yeah. advantage over everyone else because it's like, well... Yeah, it's bad, but we have it and you don't. Like, how can you stop us? You know, so right. not only are they beating people in money where they're like, well, we'll just outspend you on everything, right? 
but right. then they're essentially trying to develop n- nuclear weaponry and be the first and only ones to have it. So it's like if we can't if we can't outspend you and do this the like the nice way, then we'll just destroy you with an army of demons that we have enslaved or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like we yeah. are going to win no matter what. Right. And 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 I think that's really cool. And every house should be doing something along these lines. You know, when we played our um, our unearth game where we were all members of House Ladal, it was like you know that was my idea for that story was that uh, Ladal Kabak Omegar, uh sort of like you know this this uh, mad scientist or whatever he was trying to create a, a, like a like a robot empress essentially using this AI brain this is from too the first soon, stage. Corey, and you know it. <laughs> You know it, <laughs> but yeah, he, he was using this AI brain. Plus, he was like he was kidnapping uh, uh, one of the I think it was like a Sinus daughter or something that looked very much like the Empress, and the, the, the whole plan was like to to say, "Oh, she's back," you know, and kind of take all the power in the realm, but benefit House Ladal, you know. So every house ought to be doing something interesting to take to take the power. I mean, some of them, yeah, they're just building up military might or whatever, but this is an awesome direction for Ragra. It perfectly fits them because they own all of these underground places and whatnot. They are able to dig into all this kind of stuff. It's just very, very, very cool. Uh, Ladal, we said before, Ladal is always kind of like a rival to Regara. Uh, they were a rival in first and second edition because they didn't owe, or because they were the only house that didn't owe or didn't owe Regara any money. But in third edition, their arrival, not because they aren't in debt to Regar, because they actually are, but because they compete with them for artifacts and secrets. Ladal has one of its, you know, and it, and this is kind of like typical Ladal. Ladal's always been the one that wanted to, you know, go find some of this first age stuff and whatnot. I mean, we were playing that, like I just mentioned, in our Unearthed game in second edition. So that's been a Ladal thing for a while. And that brings them in third edition directly into conflict with Regara because now Regara is moving in on that same territory. So um, just kind of some interesting stuff there. Now I want to, I want to just kind of go like, just talk for a second about what this says about third edition in general. Um, third edition does not just copy and paste from previous editions. Uh, third edition doesn't even just flesh out the ideas that were already there with some more characters and locations to detail. Like, like that's what I said, second edition did that quite a bit. Third edition is aiming to enrich and transform the lore of the world to make it more adventurous, dramatic, and even more supernatural and that's what i so appreciate about what they're doing with third edition it's why i think third edition is the best edition that they've ever had of exalted is because they are taking this very solid groundwork that's been laid in the first two editions but now they are enriching it and they're actually making the game different in a lot of these in a lot of these categories and uh, we see this in the lore and the setting of the world we see it in the ways that artifacts are being designed, you know, with the, um, the, the, all these various evocations and whatnot that they've added to artifacts in third edition, just go back sometime and look at some of the artifacts in second edition. I mean, I remember being just so blown away by how cool, you know, awesome magical devices and whatnot were in second edition, but nothing had the level of detail and the level of like, just, you know, 
powers that were constantly being discovered like they like you have in third edition and in third edition it's everything has that your hearthstone can have a bunch of different evocations that you learn for it your magical Wait, really? claws that you get yeah oh yeah yeah there's a lot of hearthstones that actually have evocations really you know oh yeah yeah your armor your your you know the the tiny little devices that you have your big sword everything it has this like much more uh inflated is that uh, maybe that's not the right word expanded everything has much more expanded capabilities and story and legend and whatnot so yeah we've seen it in the lore like we see with regard we see it in artifacts we see it in what they've done with the sorcery system for example with like giving you all of these new sorcerous initiations and ways to uh ways to to build uh, sorcerer's modes or shape sorcery, right? You have all of these different ways to do that in third edition that just expands that whole thing. You're not just casting a spell. You're doing it through this rubric of how you've learned to do magic in the first place. And your way is so different than the, than the next dudes, you know? And we even see it in the charm sets of the various exalt types whose powers have been greatly expanded and filled with all like new types of wonder and whatnot. I mean, it's just they have so enhanced this edition of the game. And uh, and I just I, I feel like that's something that is um, maybe not as appreciated as much as it should be. Uh, third edition is really shaping up to be truly the definitive edition of this game that sets a new standard for Exalted in, in just putting detail and intrigue and adventure and supernatural fun in absolutely everything. And like I said, we see that so much in Regara. But anyway, so pretty pretty cool stuff here with Regara. One of the things that we wanted to do, uh, just just to kind of you know, since we're talking about it, is give some folks some character and story and maybe even antagonist details uh, that we can talk about here that you can add to your game. If you're interested by all of this stuff with regard, you say, man, I, you know, I didn't really realize it, it, it had changed so much. And there are some cool ideas there. Uh, maybe I want my next character to be a, a Regara Scion or whatever. So uh, so we want to go ahead and give you some some story seeds and character seeds that we've been working on. And, and Charles has been uh, coming up with our story seeds. So what have you got there for us, Charles? All right. So uh, one, one story seed I came up with was uh, it's not quite as fleshed out as you know like a published adventure would be i think it's more of like here are some neat ideas of things that are all kind of happening in one general location that you could use to create a neat story and so i had this idea of um a young headstrong noble of house regara being sent out on like his first mission uh, to some far-flung outpost in the east. So it's like kind of uh, kind of isolated. So he's going out to some satrapy to collect a debt, uh, pot potentially by force, and, you know, wanting to make a strong impression, this noble took one of those artifacts that we were speaking about earlier, these really dangerous things that he mm. thinks he knows how to control, but almost certainly doesn't. Um, so he's going there with this, like, basically a live grenade and doesn't know it. Then nice. you've got, uh, some assassins maybe paid for by House Naman, 
uh, because they know a noble's going to be coming to this area. So they're going to try to make a move at the same time. Uh, and then you can. And we have... we didn't really talk about the Neman, uh, uh, you know, the fact that they're really, they have like a hatred. Oh, they Regara. hate him. They hate him yeah, so much because Regara personally tried to kill Neman like several times. <laughs> yeah. Tried. Yeah. So, so yeah, any tried. anything they can do to like really strike a blow is something they're gonna they're gonna throw power behind. So you've got this young noble trying to make a name for himself. You've got this like gray army being funded by uh you know all these intermediaries so it can't really be traced back to house neman uh and then you can have a band of lunars that sense this unstable artifact kind of coming into their into their realm maybe one of their shamans even dreamed about it had this like prophetic vision uh so they're going out not to stop this army and not even to stop this dragon-blooded exalt but like they have to they want to stop whatever this dangerous thing is and then the last wild card is whatever this artifact is uh, i re- originally thought a demon uh but uh that apparently is a bit commonplace so maybe it's like a shard of a trapped uh like in an a shard of a trapped god or something that's gone insane over time or with the torture being wedged Mm. into this artifact or something so you have like all of these all of these ideas which individually would be fine to play but you like mix a couple of them in and it just creates this like powder keg that can kind of however you however you want see where it goes yeah and you know you can use one or all of those maybe you don't like the house neman angle so you can leave that out but you really like oh i want to throw some lunars so you know they're they sense this artifact and they're coming to check that out and that can complicate uh that can complicate this whole this whole mess you know maybe your characters are the lunars maybe your characters are the house regara diplomats coming here you know right yeah i like i like the idea of uh connecting this you know i do think that i mean you're spot on with the whole um regara collecting debts would be a great sort of start to an adventure you know i mean it seems so it seems so um just kind of uh mundane right in one sense but it's also it's sort of fun if you're the regara people it's like we're gonna go rough these people up if they don't pay us back <laughs> i mean it, it just it would seem it's like it's a little bit like you know we we could get our hands dirty here and we might have fun doing it uh we're just sort of right off the bat but then you know bringing along like you said like a dangerous a dangerous forbidden weapon uh maybe because of your you know your noob uh, mm. self or you know whatever uh you know and 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 now you've got to deal with the fallout of what that means that you brought that along i, I do think that that would be actually a really fun story to take part in so uh yeah good story scene uh i i was thinking about a character that uh that you could play like as a player character for Regara. And as I'm thinking about this, I mean, one of the reasons I, I kind of wanted to do it is I need a Regara. Um, I need a Regara antagonist for a game that I'm running with my, with my kids at home, because I am, I, I was inspired to, to play a story that involves some of this stuff. And so I do need a Regara antagonist for my, my sort of end fight uh, at the end of our first story. And, and I was, and I was like, well, what am I going to use for this? And I had been looking through some of the adversaries that I just been looking through some of the adversary section of the core book. Like, what am I going to use for this dude? 
and I'm like, I'll just, I'll make a character. But then I, you know, I was thinking, well, what if, make it a character that you would want to play, you know, build it with the character generation rules and make it a character you would want to play. And so, uh, as I'm thinking through all of this stuff, uh, I really used for like sort of inspiration, we've been watching uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. And if you guys aren't watching Jujutsu Kaisen, you're doing oh it wrong. I Welcome mean, to the anime show. portion of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Anime is just so freaking good right now. There's so many good shows, but Jujutsu Kaisen is one of those that is like stellar. I think that their movie uh, Jujutsu Kaisen zero is like in theaters right now. But uh, in that, in that story, the main character Itadori, he uh, he he eats these like finger bones of this like ancient cursed sorcerer, and every time he eats a finger bone, like the sorcerer like takes more and more kind of control over him, and he has like the mouth of this uh, this sorcerer will like open in his cheek and like extra eyes open uh, next to his eyes, which like the the sorcerer kind of like coming through and claiming part of his body and whatnot. And so I, as I was reading through, I was, I, I completed my second read through of the dragon blood, what fires wrought uh, yesterday, actually. And uh, as I'm, as I was reading through all of that book, uh, reading through the, the sorcery section and the spells there, uh, there is a spell called something like the unslakable devil maw or something like that. There's a spell that if it's your control spell, you have a, a permanent devil mouth that opens on the palm of one of your hands. <laughs> and oh, that's it, cool. it reminded me so much of Itadori from Jujutsu Kaisen. And it sounded so perfectly Regara, right? Like you've made these deals with these devils and whatnot. And, and your, your body is marked by the, the, the sort of diabolical packs that you have made. And uh, so it felt like it's a Dory. It, it feels like Regar. So, so I, I wanted to build like kind of a whole character around that concept. So the concept then was consumer of forbidden secrets. You've eaten, you've taken into yourself too many of these secrets and have, you know, kind of become a bit of a bit of a monster. So his name, the name of the, the character I created is Regara Falmore. And uh, just, you know, to toss out the reason the reason i picked falmore is i was thinking of the falmer from skyrim uh do you guys remember those <laughs> yeah. like the, yeah. the elven race or whatever that uh that had you know kind of been perverted by their by by some sort of demonic force or whatever anyway um yeah so i i named this guy regara falmore and he is uh, of course earth aspected dragon blood uh, because of his concept of the consumer of forbidden secrets, uh, I, I really put a lot of his skills into things or a lot of his abilities into occult, into um, lore. You know, he's, he's very into those things. He is, he is a person who is devouring these secrets, but also he has to be very uh, careful in how he presents himself because he doesn't want to be one of these that gets scapegoated, you know, and destroyed, you know, if somebody catches on that he's been doing all this stuff. So I tried to give him as high a guile as possible. So he's got a lot of socialized, got a lot of manipulation. So his guile is actually five. And, um, and so he's, he's very good at like hiding his secrets. And, um, anyway, I gave him, uh, gave him a couple of interesting merits, the child of madness, uh, four dots that allows him to go essentially kind of like the um, 
the lunar tattoos that allow you to go into the wild without being without being corrupted at all. So because he he goes in, makes deals with Raksha and all that kind of stuff. Gave him a pain tolerance merit because he's going to be, you know, he's going to be needing that with a lot of the work that he's doing. Oh, yeah. And one of the cool things that gave him, of course, he has a lot of resource dots because, you know, Rigars ought to be filthy rich. So I gave him this Yasal crystal where he has this spider demon that's already trapped within it that he, like just that character creation, he has a really good relationship with. In fact, one of his intimacies is a an, a love and adoration for this spirit that he has trapped in the Yasal crystal. So he's able to use its charms of like hell threads and stuff, <laughs> like shooting, like like wrapping people up in like hell spider threads and things. And I, and I you know, just sort of from a narrative standpoint, all of that comes out of the mouth on his hand as well. So just kind of give him this real creepy diabolist feel uh, with a lot of stuff focused on the devil mouth in his hand, which again, just comes from having that spell as your control spell. And I, I think that's a cool, a cool thing too, to realize that you can use something like that as a real keystone for your character uh, to just kind of build this, you know, kind of freaky, funky concept around and make it just a very, you know, very, very creep-tastic sort of character. I think it would be really fun to play. If I was playing a Dragon Blade game, I would absolutely love to play a character like that. And then we also wanted to provide an antagonist kind of from the Regara family. And so I think, Jim, you were working on that? Yeah, Corey. So when uh, you posted this character that you made, um, I was I was thinking, I mean, I was looking over it, and I'm like, man, the, he made a character that he would play, but that character could also serve as an attack antagonist and I'm going to design an antagonist. Well, part of designing an antagonist is like talking about how he's going to wreak havoc, which kind of bleeds over into the story seed section that Charles was doing. So there's going to be a little bit of overlap uh, on, on all our things. This was all planned. (laughs) (laughs) But what I came up with uh, that, you know, that, the house regara is this they they they're in tune with the earth and they're in tune with like finding things so what i wanted to do was have this sorcerer kind of guy in the in the house regara who has discovered something in an area that is controlled by another house well they want to take over that land and he's made several attempts at like trying to barter uh, willing to pay off some of or willing to cancel some of their debts if they would you know hey I want this area of land we want to move in and and they're just totally against it so he can't openly uh, come out and directly attack them so what he has done he has delved into some of this stuff in the vault and came up with a way to open doorways from the underworld and he starts sending a bunch mm. of ghosts into this um into this area and driving trying to drive people out of the town so that they can just move in and take over Mm. so what the the players would be doing is they would be opposing this guy like maybe they're from the town uh or, or from the area and they notice like you know family members are getting attacked by ghosts and their people are getting driven out of town so i i was thinking along those lines like something you know they have to uncover this plot like where is the source of all these ghost attacks that are 
you right. know, attacking our area. Where where's that coming from? What's the what's the motivation behind it? And the whole right. motivation is to seize the land and what's there. What what why do they want this? So th- that's kind of like a you know, this is an antagonist that kind of bleeds over into a story seed. Like you can right. take that and run with it. No, I like that. He's like the he's like a a negative a photo negative ghostbuster. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Releasing ghosts. laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's that would that would definitely be a very cool antagonist to have. No, you're busting ghosts him. wrong. <laughs> we specifically <laughs> told you not to do it this way. <laughs> oh, I thought you said ghost bussers. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we do in. have rules for liminals in the essence game. So, hey, right. let's put a, a liminal party together and, and right. you know take care of this. Yeah. Some of the things. Yeah, that's thinking. cool. It's cool because it's it, it, he's not just a threat on his own. He's actually. He's he's releasing a bunch of things that you have to deal with before you even get to him. You know, you got to right. figure out what the heck's going on. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, and 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 that's what's so awesome about the new details about Regara is they just give you so many adventure hooks like this that you can, you know, your your mind's just going a million different ways with trying to figure out like, oh gosh, now I want to play one. Oh, I want to I want to have him as an, an well, enemy. Before you know, like, before we uh, finish up with Regara, um, I don't know if we've mentioned this by name. We've kind of danced around a little bit. The inner circle. Bonoba's inner circle. Exactly. The, like, the folks who know everything about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this hidden council where all the, the big secrets are kept. And, right. you know, there's high ranking members of the family that have no idea that this even exists. Right. And that they have, you know, they've got their fingers in like the deliberative and like swaying the way decisions are made they're oh yeah they're here (laughs) (laughs) they've been here all along yeah yeah (laughs) no that that's definitely yeah it's it's a very cool part of the whole thing and it's it's something that you can definitely use to uh, you know whether you're playing a regara based party or what i mean this is you know you know we talked i talked earlier about how uh with the essence game you know, if you're, if everybody's like a different exalt type or whatever, it becomes this like really kind of almost childish, like super friends sort of a situation. But, you know, you think about if you want to deal, if you want to delve, if you want to delve really deep into the lore of this game, you could make a whole story that was nothing but a bunch of people, a bunch of like all the players are earth aspected dragon bloods from house Regara. And you could tell a super compelling story in and so many different every, directions. Yeah, <laughs> and you could have every character, even though they're all Earth aspected dragon bloods, they could be completely different types of characters. Like I, just as I was designing the character that I designed, um, you know, because you're Earth aspected, you get five different abilities as your aspect abilities, and I focused almost none of my points on the earth aspected abilities but because of the way third edition is set up you also pick five favorite abilities which can be anything and so i was able to create this really creepy earth aspected dragon blood that doesn't look like the typical earth aspected dragon blood yeah all three of us could design an earth aspect or an eclipse or something and they'd be totally different that's what i like about this game but if we were all designing mages we would pretty much pick the same spells have the same armor you know and be carbon copies of each other yeah yeah show me show me three dwarven wizards in in uh (laughs) 
in Dungeons and Dragons that are that are significantly different than one another. I know that there, it is possible, to, especially with you know the way that you design the character and the you know the added the, the the personality of the character. You can definitely come up with some different things, but just mechanically in Exalted, you could have like like Jim said, all three of us could design Earth yeah. Aspect the Dragonbloods, and we, and they would be radically different from each other, and we could have this amazing story that is just taking place within the Regara family with Regara family drama. Ugh, it's awesome. It's just awesome. I'm, I mean, I designed an eclipse cast solar that fought with a boat anchor. <laughs> like this massive <laughs> yeah, boat that anchor. Was, that was awesome. <laughs> I miss that guy. I miss that game. Yeah, yeah. that was that was really sweet. Yeah, his, his the anchor was his like primary weapon. That was phenomenal. Yeah, such a good, such a good character concept. Well, anyway, Let's, uh, you know, we, we, we had a message last week from our friend Bifford, and the light is blinking on the message machine again this week. And so let's go over here and mash this button there and see what. <laughs> Why did you say it what like somebody... that? He's done that before, and <laughs> I like it every time he does it. Right <laughs> Let me mash this button. I'm channeling some of my uncles uh, from, from deep south yeah. Alabama there. That's hilarious. Yeah, let's mash this button. Let's, go, let's, let's hear what this guy has to say. Hi guys, it's Aramithius here calling from the UK. I am really, really glad that you are back up and running. I've managed to binge all of your episodes since the announcement you were back, and I'm really, really happy that we have some more exalted content starting up again. Really, really looking forward to see what you guys can come up with. I've been going through your back catalogue, as I'm sure you'll have noticed from all my posts on the Discord about it, but your episode on the Adventure Path stuff really got me thinking. I think one of the reasons that Exalted players are a bit less, or at least stereotypically, a bit less keen on the sort of adventure path style of thing is because Exalted is presented as a sandbox type game where, uh, where you just make characters and they turn up and they can do what they want and they do do what they want. <laughs> he said do-do. <laughs> Oh man! Well, thank you so much, Aramithius. He he actually he left a much longer uh, message than this, and we'll talk about some of those things in a second. But just kind of wanted to cut it off here to talk about this idea of a you know quote adventure path or whatever that's really just a big sandbox, and you know what we would think about that. Uh, I actually think that that is uh, that that's that's a pretty good idea. You know, flesh out all of these different characters and whatnot, and just kind of let the characters go. That's definitely a way to do it. That's not a way I'm personally comfortable with. Um, I I don't I kind of don't want to do all of that upfront work of creating like a whole bunch of you know people that the characters may or may not ever talk to. But I do understand that 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 builds a very fleshed out world yeah. for the characters to kind of live in. I mean, and, that could uh, help the storyteller get into his world too. Oh yeah, absolutely. And as he creates Just going through all things, that, yeah, exactly. You're gonna see all kinds of plots and whatever else that you can. Um, you know, get your characters embroiled in. So yeah, it's, it's definitely cool. Uh, you know, one interesting thing, and you know, we've talked about this kind of off air a little bit is, you know, when we did our, our original run of the deliberative, uh, toward the end of that run, we were talking a whole lot about adventure paths and designing this big story and whatnot. And, and almost like, like what, what Pathfinder does of like railroading your characters through a lot of things. And, 
And uh, right. there were a lot of fans in the community that were kind of like, no, it'll never work like that for Exalted. You can't control that many details and whatnot. And I was like, well, I'd like, you know, we could at least try, you know. I have yeah. since kind of rethought my position on that quite a bit. Uh, I I do see the the problem with trying to create a railroad that goes for like an entire story because the characters can just completely <laughs> derail things with their choices and they ought to be able to they ought to be able to just kind of freely choose to do this or that i mean i do just, think that just you wait till sidereals comes out and then we can really do oh, a story yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean you can definitely create some directions for your characters to go and some hooks to hook them in and know that they're going to want to follow this hook you know like it, this is this is something that's very strongly going to lead them to the next part of the story but uh but you you just you can't keep it on the rails like you do uh a pathfinder game and that's okay but uh i don't know if if creating a gigantic sandbox is is the way i would go i do think it's a way to go uh but again like i said i think it's probably a little too much work it's it's much easier to put together a, a strong well i mean exalted third edition go. itself is a big giant sandbox they, they they leave everything with this tension like you could right. you could take these things in any direction you want to so what you got to do is walk as a storyteller you got to walk in that sandbox and take your finger and draw a box and say this is my portion and this is where my characters are going to be but they got plenty of room in here Right. But we can't be all over creation. But, you know, you have to think, you know, what was it that uh, Eric was saying uh, when we when we had that interview in episode 10? You know, think small and then slowly right. build up. Slowly you know. build it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, another thing that Aramithius uh, left us in this uh, message is uh, he, he left us a sample character. And some kind of interesting ideas in that sample. Now, the thing I liked about this, and uh, he talks about it. Um, we, we just had to cut it for time. You, you couldn't get the whole. But I'll, I'll basically sum it up. He was talking about designing a character. And it's very funny that, you know, that we got this Godfather thing going on because <laughs> I, I don't know if him and Charles were talking in the, in the Discord. But... <laughs> He, he wanted to think about what, you know, um, the Godfather, like a Godfather-type character would look like in, in the world of Exalted. And so he started putting ideas together, you know, controlling this, controlling that. And he had this really good background that went along with it. Um, but he was like, on the surface, you would think Nightcast as a as a godfather kind of secretive mm -hmm. person but then he was he said i wanted to go a different direction and go into an eclipse cast and using <laughs> this binding oaths kind of thing that went along with it yeah but the I thing make that you I, a deal you can't refuse yeah. Yeah. exactly yeah you can't refuse it you know you're bound so the thing i liked about it was his approach and if if 90% of the players out there would have this same kind of approach, they would find character creation would just like, it would write itself. Because mm -hmm. he came into this like, I want a Godfather type character. Mm -hmm. So then he knew exactly what he was looking for in a character. It wasn't mm -hmm. like, oh, I just want to play an Eclipse cast. It's like, well, you could do any kind of Eclipse cast. Like we right. talked about earlier, we all three could make totally different eclipse cast but when he had a goal in mind like i want a godfather type character 
He could go Eclipse. He could go Night. Heck, he could go Doncast if he wanted to. You could do anything you want, but he had a an endpoint. So, if when you're working with like new players and they're like, "Well, what can I do?" You say, "Well, what's a kind of character you would like to play?" And they're like, "You know what? I like the Incredible Hulk." And it's like, "Bingo! We can design a character that has those kind of." that kind of flavor to it, those kind of attributes, or I want an Iron Man kind of character. You know, anything Mm -hmm. that they can take from the outside world as a template, and then we could drive something there. You know, someone could say, I want want to be... Like I did with Itadori from uh, from Jujutsu Kaisen. Yeah, I want to be Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender. Like, oh, I got something tailored for you. Firebending aspect. Let's go. So... I like the, his process, and then he he designed a really good character. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I mean, to be fair to Exalted, they do tell you up front like the very first thing that you should do is create a concept. And exactly. I do. Th- I have seen a lot of people ignore that. And, I think uh, that gets skipped over, and you go to the page <laughs> that's the character creation summary, and you start yeah. building from there instead right. of right. Gosh, taking in you, all the information they give you if you have a strong concept though that character creation oh, takes yes. no yep. time like when i when i had my concept of this dude who you know consumer of forbidden secrets i mean you have to pick 20 charms as a as a dragon blood when you're creating a just a, a, a base run-of-the-mill dragon blood uh, you know kind of starting character right you essentially have to pick 20 charms and you know you've got 28 dots of abilities to assign you got 13 dots of merits you got you know 15 bonus points on, or 18 or whatever anyway you got all this this stuff you got to do i built that character in like 20 minutes flat so right. i mean it, it, if you've got a good concept you can make a you can make even a third edition exalted character very quickly so well when i designed my lunar i had a concept in mind but then i just started writing like this background story. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was done with like, you know, eight pages of background, <laughs> I was like, right. I know this character and I can't wait to play him. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So very cool. Thank you so much, uh, Aramithius for your message. And, uh, any of those, if you, if you out there, you want to have your ideas, uh, your input, added to our show please send us a recording of yourself uh, asking the question you can also just send it in an email or something like that and you know we'll we'll talk about your if you don't want to record your voice but if you do want to be heard on the show uh make a recording of your voice send it to us at the deliberative podcast at gmail.com also you can join our discord that link should be in the show description on whatever platform you get this uh, show you can join our Discord, and we actually have a special channel called Message Machine, and you can just upload your voice right there. So we're, we're getting new uh, new technological, newfangled ways of <laughs> He's doing, doing it again. This here message Nurse! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, send us, your, send us your thoughts, your suggestions, whatnot, and we would love to hear from you. So anyway... Fun stuff, Regara. If you haven't read it in a while, go back to the Dragon Blood What Fire Has Wrought. It might be in, on sale even as we speak. You could go buy the PDF and read all of this stuff about House Regara and get your mind filled with awesome ideas for new stories and whatnot. And we will be back next time to talk about another fun topic. But 
that's going to be it for this week. So thank you for listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-o. See ya.